We're going back to Romans chapter number 12. It's a scripture we've been looking at for a few weeks now in our current series. I think it's one of those pivotal scriptures in the Bible that teaches us how to walk in victory. So many Christians over the years I've seen as a pastor have uh, given their lives to Jesus but still don't have victory. They walk in defeat and depressed and don't overcome. And I think part of the reason is because this scripture teaches us a principle that we've got to lock in on in order to walk in victory. Romans chapter 12 verse number 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we know that the word transformed is the Greek word metamorpho. It, it, it's where we get the English word metamorphosis. And it says that the way we get changed, the way we see things uh, transformed, is by renewing or reprogramming uh, our mind, by, by rewiring our mind. That we can prove or experience what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The mind has so much to do with the destiny or the life that we experience. We know that the way that God has created us from this series is, is mind to brain, brain to body, and therefore experience. And so God tells us that if we want to change life, we don't change our life, but we change our mind. Second scripture is uh, Proverbs chapter 23, verse number 7. And it very literally says, for as a man thinks, so is he. And we're going to look at this again in just a little moment, but this is telling us again the importance of our thoughts, that our thoughts determine a lot, if not the majority of what goes on in our life. And because the mind is so important to what we experience, God tells us, he gives us a, a kind of like a warning or a heads up in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8. It's the scripture from which um, we get our series title. And it says this, it says, be on your guard. And we're saying, stay woke. Wake up your mind. Stay alert. Realize what's happening, what, what's vying for space in your head. Why? Because your enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion, sneaking around, seeking whom he may devour. And so God is constantly challenging us with this, 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 this awareness of what's going on in our mind because it's that important to our lives. And so I want to continue what we started last week. It's Super Bowl weekend and everybody's going to be having all sorts of snacks later on, right? Wings are going to probably be the featured snack and pizza and chips and dip and all that kind of stuff and all that stuff that clogs our arteries and gets us fat and everything like that. And we'll pray stupid Christian prayers over them like God bless this unhealthy food. Like, you know, God is going to bless food that's unhealthy. But whatever, right? I want to give you some food for your mind today. I want to teach you on what soul food to put into your mind so that you can experience the life that God has for you. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you make this message relevant and real to each one of us? Open up our hearts and our minds to receive your word unfettered, unhindered, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, you may be seated. Last week in preparation for learning about which soul foods are most needed for the health of our mind, we spoke about two laws. The first one is, is, is summarized for us in Proverbs 23, verse number 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And it was the law of cognition. And the law of cognition basically says we are what we think. That in life it doesn't take long for you to come face to face with your thoughts. 
that even though your thoughts are not something that can be seen, the truth of the matter is eventually they'll manifest themselves and you would confront your thought in what you experience in life. And that's really what Romans 12 is also talking about when it talks about be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can experience what you think about will be what you eventually experience, the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. And we looked at, if you remember, Emerson's famous statement, so a thought reap an action, so an action reap a habit, so a habit reap a character, so a character reap a destiny. Basically summarizing for us the truth of the matter of Proverbs 23, verse 7, which is that our thoughts eventually become our experience or our destiny. And because of that, God again cautions us, stay woke, stay alert, because our thinking determines what we live out and experience in life. I was reading about this this guy that for 17 years, he worked in a low-level factory position. And the reason why he worked in a low-level factory position was because one of his guidance counselors in high school told him that um, these were the kind of jobs that suited him. And because he took what they said, that's what he lived out his life. His thinking was, well, I'm not qualified or capable of getting anything beyond or going any further in life. Well, the factory shut down, and so he went across town, and he applied for a similar job. But this new factory had a policy, and the policy was was that everybody who worked for them had to take an IQ test. And so he took the IQ test and he get calls in the next day by the owner of the factory. And the owner says, why are you applying for such a low-level factory position? He said, he said, you scored the highest on the IQ test of anybody in 63 years of our factory. You have a genius level IQ. That day, the man's thinking changed. He quit that job. He opened up his own business. He developed product that are now patented in the United States. He's now extremely, extremely successful all because his thinking changed. Do you know the difference between those that entered into the promised land and those that died in the wilderness in the Bible? It was one thing and one thing only. God loved them all the same. God had the same idea in mind for them. He wanted them all to get out of Egypt and bondage and go into a place that was good for them where they could live healthy and prosperous lives. But the one difference between those that made it in and those that died in the wilderness was their mindset. Those that died in the wilderness, they were the ones who subscribed to what the spies came back and said. You might remember that in your Bible. Moses sent them out to spy out the land. They came back. They said, we can't take the land. There's giants in that land. And we're like grasshoppers in their sight. They had a grasshopper mentality. And because their mindset was small, they died in a place that God didn't want them to die in. But there were two of them, Joshua and Caleb. They didn't have a grasshopper mindset. They said, we can go in and take that land. God is on our side. God is for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? And God allowed them to lead a new generation into that promised land. Here's my question for you. What are you giving up on in life? Because your mind is not right. Because your mindset is too small. We know from the law of cognition that we are what we think. The second law, and by the way, the second law that we looked at, the law of exposure, basically tells us that our mind will think on what we expose it to most. 
In other words, if you want to change your experience, we know you have to change your mind. If you want to change your mind, you have to change what you expose your mind to most often. We talked about how it is impossible to to expose your mind to wrong things and then think correctly. Because your mind automatically is created by God to get wired by the things that you focus on and concentrate on and give yourself to. And we find out in Joshua chapter 1 verse number 8 how true this is. That that the mind thinks on and then eventually uh, creates a pattern that uh, of experience and action. Um, the things that we focus on the most. So in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 the Bible says this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. In a couple of weeks, we're going to look at the mind-mouth connection. It's impossible to think right when you speak wrong. You can try to focus on and change your thinking as much as you want, but if your mouth doesn't cooperate with your mind, your mind will not think right. And so he says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Think on it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. You will do what you think about most. You will do what you think about most. If you want to do the right things, you have to think on the right things. If you don't think on the right things, you won't do the right things. And then notice what he says, that as you think and do the right things, think on the right things, do the right things, then what will happen is you'll have the right experience. Then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Your mind will think on what you expose it to most. And because that's true, I want to give you some soul foods, things that you ought to feed your mind, expose your mind to the right kind of things so that you can have the right kind of outcomes in life. And these all start with W to help you remember. The first thing and the most important thing that you can expose your mind to is the Word of God. The Word of God. It is your primary source of spiritual nourishment. This is the thing that you ought to be exposing yourself to more than anything else because it is so contrary to most of the things that we get exposed to in life. And you've got to have more exposure to God's teaching, God's principles, God's way of living life than anything else in order for your mind to be right. Think about all the things we expose our mind to. I got a notification at the end of the first service today that told me how much screen time I spent on my phone. Anybody ever get those kind of things? And, 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 and this week, I spent an average of four hours and 19 minutes a day on my phone. Four hours and 19 minutes a day. How is somebody going to try to tell me we don't have time for stuff? What don't you have time for? Most of you spend at least that much time, maybe a little bit less, maybe a little bit more. Now, that would be bad for me, but except most of my screen time is listening to teachings, listening to messages, reading the Bible. I use my phone for all that kind of stuff. So I'd say that probably about 90% of my screen time is on the Word of God. You need to get the Word of God in your life, in your heart, in order to affect your mind. What did God tell Joshua? This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it. God's revelation to Joshua. Joshua was able to go into the promised land on a partial revelation. He didn't have what we have. We have the full revelation of Jesus Christ. We have the whole New Testament. If Joshua was able to get unstuck from Egypt and into a land that flowed with milk and honey by focusing on the right stuff, how much more shall we be able to experience if we'll focus on the revelation of the Word of God? 
the right stuff, the word of God. Let's go back to our scripture, Romans chapter 12, verse number Two, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. The word metamorpho, metamorphosis, how a caterpillar transforms into a butterfly. And, and, and one of the things as I studied this, this metamorphosis, I, I looked at the stages that a caterpillar goes through to turn into a butterfly. I found out that when a baby caterpillar is first born, its mom puts it on the leaves that are most nutritious for it to eat. And all the baby caterpillar does for the early stages of its existence is eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. Sounds like some of y'all's kids, right? Just eat and eat and eat and eat. And I, I kind of got this picture of my mind of, of the, the mama caterpillar being an Italian mama caterpillar going, manja, 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 making you stronger. Keep eating manja, manja, you know? And this is, I think, what God is saying to us. God is saying that if you're going to be spiritually healthy, and you're going to be spiritually strong. You've got to keep eating and eating and eating and eating. You can't have just snacks on the word of God. That won't get your mind right. You've got to just, just pig out. This is the only thing that you can pig out on and it won't hurt you. The word of God is not like carbs. It won't blow you up. It's not like saturated fat. It won't clog your arteries. You can just eat as much of it as you want. And to stay spiritually healthy in your mind, you've got to digest the word of God. You've got to get it in there. Watch what the word of God is able to do to your mind. James chapter 1 verse number 21 says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of, weak, uh, of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your what? What's your soul? It's your mind. Do you know when you give your life to Jesus, your mind doesn't get saved? How many said, I know that's right, Pastor. A lot of stuff going on up there that's not really saved, you know. A lot of stuff that's going on that's, that's evil and wickedness. That's filthy. Anybody, can we just be honest here? No, no, no judgment zone right now. Anybody ever get some filthy and wicked thoughts up in your head? Anybody? That didn't happen to anybody? So if you ain't raising your hand, you're lying, man. It, it, it happens to everybody. And the thing about it is, you could be hearing the word of God, and at the moment you're hearing the word of God, you could be getting a filthy, nasty thought in your mind. It's amazing how that happens. You can come to church, have an experience with God, get out in the car and, you know, on your way. And all of a sudden a filthy, nasty thought comes in your mind. Why? Because your mind isn't saved the moment you give your life to Jesus. It's up to us to do something about our mind. Jesus saves our our spirits. Our spirits get saved. We're on our way to heaven. Sin is not held to our charge. We're right with God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It's because of what he did that we're able to become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But the responsibility to renew our mind has been delegated by God to us. You renew your mind. God's not going to do it. And here's what the word of God is able to do. It's able to save your soul. How does it do that? It gets rid of the filthiness and wickedness that comes into your head and your thinking. And it reprograms and reautomates God's way of thinking, holiness, cleanness, right living, righteousness, and it is able, therefore, to save our souls. Let's go back to the caterpillar for a minute. Did you know that, that there's, there's actually five stages of transformation, I believe, between a caterpillar to a butterfly? The last step is known as the cocoon stage. 
um, literally the chrysalis stage. And most people have mistakenly thought that during the chrysalis stage that the caterpillar is just resting. It's just kind of chilling out. And by the way, resting is one of the healthiest things you can do for your mind. Do you know that sleep and if, if you just were to, let's say you were to say, I, I got to do one thing at a time. What, what should I do? Well, one of the greatest things that you can do is just get enough rest for mind health. Rest creates mind health. It also creates physical health, help, health as well. But anyway, they're not resting during that cocoon stage. What they're actually doing is they are digesting. And what they are digesting is all of the parts of the caterpillar that don't need to be there anymore now that it's going to be a butterfly. And there are these things that are left behind in the chrysalis that eventually become a butterfly called imaginal disc. And imaginal discs are these highly organized groups of cells or DNA blocks that, that leave with it everything that the caterpillar needs now to become a butterfly, the antenna and the wings and the colors and all that and all the stuff that it doesn't need are completely digested during that period of time here's what happens when you implant the word of God into your mind what happens is it digests or consumes all of the filthiness and all of the wickedness and it implants in you what you need to become everything that God has designed you to do and that's why you've got to focus and get as much much of the word of God as you possibly can. You've got to eat it and eat it and eat it. You've got to listen to it in church. You've got to get involved in a small group. You got to turn it on in the car on your way to work, on your way home from work. You got to listen to Frank Santora podcast every single day. You got to do all of that kind of stuff because that's what helps your mind on a surface level. What's happening is you're getting rid of the stinking thinking and you are putting good thinking in there. On a deeper level, the word of God is actually uprooting the negative paths that are in your brain and creating new paths within your brain. And I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. Now, here's why sometimes people say, well, I tried that. It doesn't work. I've tried the word of God. I've tried to focus on it. It doesn't really work for me, pastor. And here's why. Because we have substituted in, in the church world relief for renewal. What do I mean relief for renewal? Most people go to the word of God as if it were like Alka-Seltzer. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is, right? Which I guess if you didn't know that was Alka-Seltzer could mean really nasty something, right? Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Who knows? It's an Alka-Seltzer commercial for those of you that never saw that. Alka-Seltzer is a medicine. And what it does is when you have a, a headache, you take these two tablets and you drop them into water and it becomes fizzy. And you drink it and it's supposed to, you know, cure your headache. But we know it really doesn't cure your headache. What it does is it relieves the pain for a moment. And then when the medicine wears off, the pain of the headache comes back. Here's what happens happens with most Christians. Most Christians have a something going on and they'll go to the word of God like they're supposed to and they'll get a scripture and they'll focus on the word of God. They might even quote the scripture, pray the scripture for a moment, maybe a couple of moments. And during that time when they're quoting the scripture and praying the scripture, they feel relief. Their emotions feel better, feel less anxious. They feel like, okay, all right, I got this. You know, the anxiety goes down. The fear begins to subside, and they think, this is cool. But then, because it's only plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is, only for just a few seconds, as soon as they stop focusing on it, it reverts back 
to the agony, the pain, the anxiety, the fear. Because God has never called us to go to the Bible for simply relief. He's called us to go to the Bible for renewal. And there's a big difference between relief and renewal. How often did God tell Joshua to meditate on the Bible, on the word? Day and night. If you just go to the word of God just for a little few minutes here or there, your mind is not going to be renewed. All you're going to get is mind relief here and there. But if you want renewal, if you want permanent change in your mind so that your mind thinks on it, the word of God on a regular basis, if you want new programming in your mind where your automated state is to automatically think of the word of God instead of automatically go to anxiety and automatically go to fear, it is going to take a constant, consistent effort on a regular basis in order for you to do that and and i'll show you this scientifically science has found out that it takes between five and 16 minutes a day for a 21 day period all in a row 21 days in a row in order for you to even create a new pathway in your brain remember we talked about the brain and we we imagine imagine looking at the brain and you know the brain's got all those ridges on it those ridges for ease of understanding are simply instructions into your brain that tell your brain what uh, to do and what not to do and then it puts it out there to your body and everything else well in order to get a ridge to be regrown or reshaped in your brain you need five to 16 minutes of new thought over 21 days consistently even to begin to put a pathway there but here's the thing if you stop at the end of 21 days guess what happens to the new pathway that's beginning to emerge it evaporates and you revert back to the former former condition again And so you don't need just 21 days. You need actually, science is discovering, three 21-day cycles, 63 days in order to create a new groove or get some automation going in your brain. Let me give you a practical example so you can get this. For the last two years, we have um, placed our keys in our house on this little table with a basket on top of it. You walk through my kitchen into a washroom um, that leads to a breezeway into my garage. And so for about the last two years, we've placed this little table with a basket on top of it in the washroom or laundry room, um, and, and that's where we've placed our keys. So yesterday, I was going to church, and I, and I went into my car, and I sat in my car, and I pushed a button to start my car, and, and, and it didn't go on, which meant that there were no keys in the car. Because you know the cars today, they, they sense the keys. And so I recognize I must have forgot my keys. And because for two years, I've been going to the same place to get my keys, without even thinking about it, I just went right to that place, and I reached in the basket to get my keys, and there was no table and no basket there. And all of a sudden, I remembered my wife two weeks ago moved the table and the basket not to the washroom area, but to the breezeway area right outside the garage door. But because for two years, my mind has become accustomed to the fact that the keys are on the table in the washroom in the basket, I walked right past where the keys were, and I went to where I used to get them from and forgot that 
that they were over there. Can I tell you what happens in your mind when you're not consistent with creating new thought patterns? Is you, you walk right back past the thought pattern of the last two weeks to the thought pattern of the last two years and you repeat the stinking behavior all over again. You've got to replace the two years with some new thinking and that takes consistency. Meditate on the word of God day and night. Don't relieve your mind. Renew your mind. That's how your mind begins to think differently. Listen to again another scripture. Proverbs 4.20 says, My son, give attention to my words. Pay it, incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Notice this is not a casual thing. It's not, it's not a little thing. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those that find them and health to all of our flesh. Notice though, this is, here's what most people think. Most people think, read the scripture for two, two minutes today. I'm going to have health in all my flesh. Everything's going to be good with me. Who, where, who told you that? Look at, look at the consistency that is required in order for it to produce the way that God wants it to produce. I've already begun to work on our series for our new vision series for the end of the year. And I think I'm going to call it the power of the same. Because everybody likes variety. But can I tell you how you become successful? You do the same good things over and 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 over again. Imagine if you took this, 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 this desire for variety into your marriage relationship. How unsuccessful it would be. Because guess what marriage is? It's the same, the same, the same, the same, the same, the same, the same. You better get used to the same. Because if you don't like the same, you are not going to have a healthy marriage. But the same is actually a good thing. And so God is telling us consistency. That's what we got. Consistency with the word. We reprogram our mind like that. Second key, second soul food to reprogramming your mind is worthwhile relationships. And, and by implication, there are some relationships that are not worthwhile. If there are worthwhile relationships, there are, wor- there are relationships that aren't worthwhile. Listen to what um, Dr. Carolyn Leaf talks about in her book, How to Switch on Your Brain. She talks about the law of entanglement in quantum physics. Anybody ever take quantum physics? All right. Praise the Lord. Were you here in the last service? No, we actually have three people in our church that have taken quantum physics. I mean, we got some smarty pants in here, right? Quantum, here's what she talks about. The law of entanglement in quantum physics. And she says the law states that relationship is the defining characteristics of everything in time and space. That what determines outcomes in everything that exists is relationship of, of one thing to another thing. She says, because of the perversive nature of the entanglement of atomic particles, she said the relationship is independent of distance and requires no physical link. In other words, um, there could be somebody who I'm in relationship with that's like just in my space, but I'm not like tied to. They're a different person. I'm a different person. But yet, because of the law of entanglement, we still affect each other. That's what she, she's trying to say. Then she says, everything... And everyone is linked, and we all affect each other. She goes on to say, we are so entangled, listen to this, 
that our intentions alter not only our own DNA molecules, but the DNA molecules of other people. Our intentions. Have you ever been able to feel somebody else's intentions? Right? You're like, I, I don't think they're really looking out for me. They didn't tell you that, but you, you just felt their, their intentions. Or, or you knew somebody had your best interest. They never said, I got your best interest. But you could just feel their intentions. And their intentions make you feel some kind of way. Make you, make you act some kind of way. You're either at ease or on edge. And when you're at ease, certain things are happening in your brain. And, and when you're on edge, certain things are happening in your brain. There's a whole study, by the way. And I'll talk about this when I talk about the mind-mouth connection on how the word no and the word yes trigger stuff in your brain. Amazing stuff. And so she talks about how at a molecular level, we're affected by each other's intentions. And then she says this, this blew me away. She said, we have mirror neurons in our brain that fire up when we watch somebody laugh, cry, or or drink a cup of coffee. What's a mirror neuron? Here's what it basically means. It means mind tells brain to do what mind sees being done. That's a mirror neuron. Mind tells brain to do what mind sees being done. And this is why, guess who are the most important influencers of a child's development? It's their parents. Why? For, for obvious reasons, but on a, on, a, on, a, on a brain, on a molecular level, on an atomic level, on, on all of that, the reason is because here's how a child is learning through those mirror neurons. They are watching and they are seeing. And that becomes how they are able to do the things that they see. That is reflecting in their behavior. And so this is why it's so important for parents to mirror the right stuff. Because we are literally shaping the brains of our children right from the time that they come out of the womb. Because they have mirror neurons. And so what is God saying? He's saying relationship. How do, we, how do we get affected most? How do we see most stuff transpire on a, on a, on a close through, through relationships? And so when you know that and you read certain scriptures, watch how they just come alive. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Don't be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. This is serious business. Oh, no, no, I'm, 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 I'm far too over that that that's not going to affect me. I can hang out with people who do all that kind of stuff, and that is not going to affect me, shape me. Not going to, I'm going to affect them. No. Here's how I know that. I watch Christians who, whose, whose thought processes, whose value system and belief system are being changed simply by the news. Just because they're watching more of the news than they are getting the word of God, it is shaping their whole mindset, their whole belief system to the point where they have views that are so contrary to the word of God, it's not even funny. And walking around in that delusion like they are 100% right. 
They, if they don't know that the Bible teaches the exact opposite, but they have been so fed stuff by the stuff that they are exposed to. And if the news can do you like that, how do you think relationships will do you? How do you think being exposed to somebody on a daily basis who doesn't have the right views of certain things is going to affect your mirror neurons to the point where your brain is going to be wired in an unhealthy way? Ephesians chapter 4 verse number 32 even tells us how our actions towards other people affect. It says this, look, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ has forgiven you. Here's what it's saying. It's saying even the way you treat people is important because of how it affects them. If you're constantly telling somebody or giving somebody the impression that they're worthwhile, that their opinion doesn't matter, that they'll never make it, they'll never be anything, guess what starts to happen? The reason why they experience that outcome is because they internalize that mindset. And so God says, as Christians, we have a responsibility for the way that we should treat one another. Treat people kindly. Treat people with respect. Forgive people. There's nothing worse than the toxicity of having to carry around shame and regret. It is bad for your whole system. It'll, it'll, it'll mess with you. And then God says this, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 1 says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power from such people. Do what? Why? Because one of the things that affects your mind the most is the relationships that you have. And so God is talking to us in totality in scripture on a, on a deep level and on a practical level that we must protect our minds. And one of the greatest influences of our minds is relationships. Listen to me. There are some relationships that are so poisonous to you. They are to your mind what junk food is to your body. And you need to block them. You need to unfriend them. You need a restraining order. I don't care what you need to do. They need to be out of your life. Because they're going to kill your mind in every way. And so God is really speaking. Did you know, by the way, that a caterpillar on its way to becoming a butterfly sheds its skin five different times? You know what God is saying? You got to shed that relationship. You got to shed that relationship. You got to shed that relationship. I see people all the time. They come in. They give their life to Jesus. They get serious with God. They determine they're going to live a life for God, but they go back into the same relationships that they were in, and they repeat the behaviors that they came to the altar to get delivered from. Why? Because they're not shedding their skin. They're not, they're not being wise stewards of the influences in their lives. And so God is telling us, listen, listen, there are some things that will mess with your brain. Don't allow stuff to mess with your brain. The third soul food that I want to give you is watchful eyes and wise ears. Watchful eyes and wise ears. Anybody remember the song from back in the day, Oh, be careful little eyes what you see? Oh, be careful little eyes what you see? For the Father up above is looking down with love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. It goes on and says, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. For the Father up above is looking down with love. So be careful, little ears, what you hear. 
And it's a great song. It teaches some, some, some great truth, but it's a little off in one regard. Because it's almost like the reason why you should be careful on what you see and what you hear is because God's going to get you if you see and hear the wrong stuff. Right? The Father up above is looking down with love. What's he looking at? He's looking to see if you watch the wrong thing or listen to the wrong thing. And the implication is if he sees you watching the wrong thing and listening to the wrong thing, he's going to get you. Right? And we, we treat God a lot like Santa Claus. You know about Santa Claus and God, like, you know, kind of like, I don't know if one was created or patterned after the other. And, and in the minds of people, I don't know which one came first. You remember the Santa Claus song? What does it say? You better watch out. You better not cry. Better not pout. I'm telling you why. Because Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. Going to find out if you've been naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. And then we sing this to kids. We sing, he, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake, right? He knows when you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. If I was a kid, I'd be like, can you put the nightlight on, please? You, you mean he's watching me when I'm sleeping? I ain't going to sleep. Santa Claus is going to come out, and Santa Claus is going to get me, right? And here's the implication of what we're telling. We're telling little kids, and we're telling ourselves about Santa Claus, about God, that they, they, they are both watching. Of course, one is a figment of our imagination, and one is, one is real, that they're going to get us for bad behavior. And make no mistake about it, I think that we ought to do right and wrong because we want to please God. But here's what I've learned. I learned that we can't do right or wrong unless we really want to please God. And we can't really want to please God unless our mind is right. I don't know if you, if you, if you understand what I'm telling you. But if you don't want to in your mind, you cannot consistently practice the behavior. If you don't want to in your mind, you cannot consistently practice the behavior. If you don't see something as really bad... Or really right, if that's not how you really feel about it, you'll only be able to practice the behavior for a short period of time. And then eventually you'll revert back to your former way because there is cognitive dissonance going on. Cognitive dissonance is when you are trying to do something that you don't really believe is so. And so what you have to do in order to settle that cognitive dissonance is you have to get your mind thinking right. That's why when, and I'm going to preach this, I think in this series, John the Baptist came and what did he say? He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at near, at hand. What does that mean? It means change your mind because God's principles have come. There's a different way of doing stuff now. You cannot act a consistent kind of way if you haven't got it here. And so what God is really telling us here when he talks about watchful eyes and and, and wise ears is not so much do it because if you don't do it, God's going to get you. What he's talking about is, is get it right in your mind because once it's right in your mind, it'll be right in your life. Don't allow all of this stuff to come into your head through all of these things that you see and all of these things that you hear because what you see and hear will affect your thinking. Prove it to you. We all know that multiple wives is not right. We kind of know that. But go ahead and watch Sister Wives 
long enough. You start looking at your wife going, can I get me another one? And the crazy thing about that show is the ladies have been somehow duped, tricked, convinced into being the ones that help the man to find another wife. And they allow him to spend three days there and four days here. Next week, we'll switch it up again. Four days, you get him. Three days, he ain't that good. And here's what they're doing. They are convincing us that abnormal is normal. To the point, and this happened all, I got picked all sorts of subjects on this. Because if they show it to you long enough, and you hear it long enough, eventually you start thinking, there's nothing wrong with that. Ain't, 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 ain't nothing wrong with that. And, and, and you get warped in your thinking. Culture is trying to retrain us through what we watch and what we hear. And culture is confused. Confused about a lot of things. They have confused treating people with dignity and treating people with respect and treating people with kindness and treating people with love with telling people that they're wrong about certain things. Where I was told that if you be without chastisement, the book of Hebrews says, if you be without discipline, then you are, Bible words, a bastard and an illegitimate child. In other words, if you're never disciplined, you're really not loved. For whom the Lord loveth, he chastise. Whom the Lord loveth, he corrects. If nobody ever tells you something is wrong when it's wrong, they don't really love you. And you are, you are accepting a lower form of love just to stroke the fact that you can be a certain kind of way because you got it up here in your head that that is normal. And the fact of the matter is it's abnormal. And I could get away with talking about sister wives right now, but give me about 50 years and soon enough, even in church, you won't be able to say that it's wrong to have more than one wife. Because it won't be socially acceptable anymore. Come on, somebody. What's going on? What's going on is we are watching stuff and we are hearing stuff. And God is saying that if you want to have the right mind, you got to be careful what you hear. You got to be careful what you see. Because that's the only way that you are going to be able to live a life that honors and pleases God. Number four, fourth soul food is the wonderful counselor. Who's he? He's the Holy Spirit. What I love about the Holy Spirit is that, that he's the one who really guides us and leads us through life. I call him the forgotten person of the Trinity because we talk a lot about God the Father. We talk a lot about Jesus. We forget about the Holy Spirit, even though Jesus said he's the one who should be our primary companion. He said, I'm going to leave now. He said, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send you another comforter. Another is an exact duplicate of myself. And he will lead you and guide you into all truth. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to speak truth to us from the inside. The Holy Spirit lives inside of our spirit. And so in order to hear the Holy Spirit, we've got to do something that is very difficult for us to do in the society in which we live. And that means we've got to tune some stuff out and stop being so distracted. 
See, there's a reason why life, it doesn't seem like life just keeps getting busier and busier and busier and busier and busier. And there are more things vying for space in our mind and our hearts than anything before. Now we've got feeds. When I was growing up, there was no such thing as feeds. Right? What's a feed? Feed is something that comes through social media. Why do they call it a feed? Interesting name, right? Because it's feeding into your brain. So now we got feeds along with everything else. And all these things are coming. And here's what they're meant to do. They're meant to keep our mind busy all the time. Because the busier your mind is, guess what? The less likely you are to hear the voice of truth, the voice of the Holy Spirit, the voice that could set your mind straight. See, I believe that we ought to center our mind. That's not metaphysical. That's scriptural. We ought to center our mind, our soul, to be in sync with what the Holy Spirit is saying to our spirit. But the only way that we can center our mind with our spirit is if we get quiet enough to listen to the Holy Spirit. Psalm 46 verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Unless you're still, you will not hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Meditation. God told Joshua, he said, meditate on this day and night. What's meditation? I got to quiet down to hear, to hear God. The Holy Spirit, he's not, he not boisterous. He, he's going to, he's going to, okay, you, you ready for a, con- he's not going to try to yell over you. You have to be quiet. I, I read about this one guy. He went for a job interview, showed up a little bit late. The requirement was you needed to know Morse code. And he showed up a little bit late. The waiting room outside of the interviewer's office was packed with people. He thought, I'm never going to get this job. He sat down. All of a sudden, 30 seconds later, he gets up. He walks right past everybody, into the interviewer's office. He's in there for about 10 minutes. Everybody's like, look at this guy. Who does he think he is? Just cutting the whole line. Comes out 10 minutes later. He's got the job. Everybody, what do you mean he's got the job? He was late. We were here on time. Well, while everybody was sitting in the, in the lobby there, there was something being played in Morse code. And I said, if you understand this, come on in. The job is yours. He's the only one that listened. How many things are you missing out on? Because you're not listening. And the reason why you're not listening is because there's so much distraction going on in your head. Here's what you need in order for your mind to be right. You need somebody to help you. That's why the Holy Spirit is called our helper. I love the fact that he's called our helper. Because it means that he can give us assistance that we can't otherwise get. In other words, why live out there all by yourself if you got this amazing helper, the Holy Spirit? By the way, did you know that the same description of the Holy Spirit is the same description of a woman to a man? She's a helper. That doesn't mean she's a lower form of existence because how many of you know the Holy Spirit is much higher than any of us is, right? And that's what God, God wants us to know. There's supernatural help available to us to get our mind straight when our mind is being told all these things by all this stuff that's going on on the outside. If we'll just be still long enough to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, what will happen is the Holy Spirit will bring that word, the word of God that is in our heart up to our mind and our mind and our heart, our mind and our spirit will begin to move inside sink and then we'll experience the life that God has destined for us, the wonderful counselor. Number five, and lastly, the fifth thing. This is my favorite thing. I read this. I, I nearly flipped out. I started getting excited dancing before the Lord with all my might in my office. Anybody ever do that? You get dancing before God. David did that. All his clothes came off. I said, God, God, please never let that happen to me. Winning actions, number five. In our book, Switch on Your Brain, Dr. Carolyn Leaf gives five steps to staying woke. 
She doesn't call it staying woke because she's not as cool as I am. And these aren't all her five steps, but her fifth step is what she calls active reach. And active reach is, is simply the stuff that you do over and over and over again. And here's what she says. She says, it's in the doing nature of the active reach that results in the ungluing of the branches on your thought trees. She says that the prior four steps, she has a different four steps. She says the prior four steps, they loosen and weaken the unproductive thoughts that have been glued into your brain. But this step, the active reach step, she says, destroys the negative mindset of what she calls the harmful or inappropriate branches. And when I read this, I got so excited about it. I said, God, look at science. Just telling you you're right, God, as if you needed to be told that you were right. Look, look at science just proving what you have said in your word. You say, well, how does that prove what God has said in his word? Well, listen to this. James chapter 2, verse number 18 says, But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God you do well. Even the demons believe and, are tre- and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works... It's dead. Faith without corresponding actions, one version says, doesn't produce. In other words, if I have a belief, but I don't strengthen the belief by the things that I do, the faith doesn't work. Literally on a scientific level, the faith that is on the inside of you evaporates. And what happens is you find yourself in faith, out of faith, in faith, out of faith, in faith, out of faith, in faith, out of faith. Has anybody else ever felt that tension? I believe God one minute. I don't believe God another minute. I believe God one minute. I don't believe God another minute. Why? Because in order for faith, which starts as a thought that becomes part of your belief system and gets wired on the inside of you to the point that you know that you know that you know and you have this firm expectation that God... He's going to do what he promised. In order for faith to get there, faith must be reinforced by the things that we do. It's in the doing, she says, that the unhealthy thought branches in your mind are undone. And she goes on to explain, it's in the doing that the healthy thoughts are established. In other words, what goes on when you do something that your mind doesn't feel like doing If what you do is the right thing to do, is the doing, when it's done long enough, eventually begins to uproot the thing that your mind feels like doing that isn't right. Did you all get that? Conversely, when you do it and it's reinforcing something positive, that gets wired in your brain. This is why, watch this, watch this. This is why sometimes you just got to do it. I don't feel like going to church. You just got to do it. I don't feel like getting up 4.30 in the morning and going to the gym. You just got to do it. No, you really don't. Not 4.30 in the morning. But here's my point. My point is, if if all you do is the stuff that you feel like, what's going to happen is your feelings are going to rule the day. That's what your brain is going to get automated to do. And so sometimes you need to wake up your brain by what you do. Sometimes you just got to do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. And have you ever noticed that when you do something long enough that you don't really like doing, eventually you start like doing it? Has that ever happened to anybody else but me? Right? 
And so maybe, maybe you think you're, you're stupid. Can I encourage you? Do college. Do reading. Do learning. Do challenge your mind. Why? Because if you do it and do it and do it and do it, all of a sudden, guess what's going to happen? You come along, I ain't really that stupid. I'm smarter than I thought I was. Maybe you think, well, I was meant to be fat. Right? Anybody ever think that I was just meant to be fat, you know? And if people say it like this, they say, I'm big boned. That's cold talk for us, meant to be fat, right? Makes you feel better about your size because you're big boned, right? Like, so that there's a reason why that's happening. You, 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 anyway, this, I, I saw myself going off into a ditch and then I heard the Holy Spirit say, don't go there. You're going to, so I, I just pulled right back out of that. So you, you think you're meant to be fat. Can I just encourage you? Do right eating. Do exercise. Do it and do it and do it. And guess what? After a while, you're going to be thinking, I don't really think I was meant to be fat. I think I was meant for GQ. Look at me. <laughs> or maybe you think that your, your marriage is the worst marriage on the planet. That it's doomed to fail. Can I encourage you to do love? Love is a do, by the way. Did you know that? Love is not a feeling. It's a do. Right? Do kindness. Do nice words. Do patience. Do long-suffering, do consideration, do compliments, do the kind of things that married people are supposed to do. (laughs) And do it, and do it, and do it, and do it, and do it. Look at all the men, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And do it, and do it, and do it, and guess what? After a while, you'll be like, this is the greatest marriage in the whole world. I don't know how in the world we were stuck for so long thinking this was a bad marriage. you got to reframe your mind. you got to take some action over your mind. The way to take action over your mind is to do it, and do it, and do it, and do it, and do it. I think Nike stole God's line. Just do it. Sometimes you got to say, you know what, mine? I'm going to make you do it. And here's what I believe. I believe you can change the way you feel and the way you think, the values that you have, and the way that you perceive yourself just by doing what God says you should do. You can change all that. Remember this. I'm going to leave you with this thought. Just because you feel it don't mean that that's what God wants. Because the world will tell you if you feel a certain kind of way, that's all right. That's, that's what God wants for you. Can I tell you something that I feel? And I, this is the last time I'm ever going to say this. Because it's, it's not good for my brain. I feel like eating cookies and ice cream every night. I just do. How many of you think God has created me to eat cookies and ice cream every single night? But I feel that way. Yeah, but you just got to do the right thing so that way that feeling doesn't create in me or on me in that case the wrong kind of stuff and lead me to the wrong kind of experience. So sometimes I got to just say, you know what, God, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do this thing. And I'm going to do this thing. And that's how you change your mind. Soul food. 
What you put into your head is so important to the way that you think. Here's my challenge for every single one of you, that you will be stewards of your mind, that you say, God, you know what? My mind is not the devil's playground anymore. My mind is what I'm going to control. Because you haven't given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I have the mind of Christ. I think the way that God wants me to think. I act the way that God wants me to act. That's, that's going to be the way that I live my life from this moment forward. Would you stand to your feet?